Let me know if you work in retail. Anybody in the room work in retail? Anybody ever worked in retail? There's one back there. Okay, there's several of us, okay? Um, got some pictures of what you might have had to look forward to on uh, this Friday, right? Black Friday or Thursday or whenever the store's open. Looks like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Don't you wish you still worked in retail? I remember working on Black Friday in a department store many years ago. You know, this was back in the day when you put a credit card down and went, remember that, okay? That was back in that day. Okay, so, you know, Black Friday for me, when I, it really wasn't that bad. I remember sort of enjoying that day because people are still like a month away from Christmas, so they feel like they're getting a head start, lots of sales, so they feel like they're getting a good deal. There's still lots of stuff to buy, and it was an exciting day and trying to keep up with the crowd, and I sort of enjoyed it. Now, Christmas Eve, that was a different story, okay? Because on Christmas Eve, people are frantic. It's the last day. They're trying to buy those last few presents. You know, there's stuff there, but not enough and not in the right size. And they may be getting a good deal, but they may not be able to find what they want. And people could get ugly on Christmas Eve, all right? So it's like any job. You know, there's things I liked about that job, things I didn't like. And probably that's true with the job that you're working right now. There's stuff you like, times of the year you enjoy, and then there's some things about that job that you really don't like and some times of the year that you really aren't excited about. But today we continue in the series that I'm calling Discontent because it's easy for us to find ways to be discontent in this life. And I want us to think about how we can find contentment in our work. But for lots of people, it's really easy to find discontentment. Now, maybe you're one of those people whose identity is wrapped up in work. I mean, you're excited about work, you get to accomplish something, you're making a difference in the lives of others, and you're really tied up, your life is tied up in, in what you do. So when people ask about you, you say, this is, this is what I do. I'm a and then you name it, whatever it is, teacher or farmer or whatever it is that you do. That's part of who you are. But the thing is, you know, for, for all of us, regardless of what we do, there's going to be a time when we don't do that anymore. Maybe we retire or we get laid off or nobody wants that skill set anymore. And so that's not who we are. And we'll have to adjust our lives and our identity to not being that person anymore. Or maybe you're one of those people who you don't find a lot of satisfaction in your work. You don't really enjoy what you do. You wish you were doing something else, anything else, and contentment is not what you think about when you show up for work on Monday morning or whatever day it is that you have to work. Your work week begins. You just do that job because it makes ends meet, provides for your family, and so you have to do that job even though you don't really enjoy it. So I want us to think a little bit today about how we can find contentment in work that in some ways makes us discontent. What does that look like? Well, today I want us to think about some scripture that speaks to that. And you know, it's surprising that even though scripture's written a couple thousand years ago or in the Old Testament even longer than that, you say, well, how could that speak to how we understand work in the 21st century? Well, it's amazing that it does just that, because human nature really hasn't changed that much. So, to begin today, I'd like us to turn back to a book in the Old Testament. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes. It's the most depressing book in the Bible. So, 
you're, you're pretty excited about that, right? I mean, it's going to be fun. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes. If you want to turn there, like if you find Psalms in the middle of your Bible, it's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, which is a little short book. Now, the, the thing that the author of Ecclesiastes is trying to do is to find meaning in life. What is the meaning of life? Big question, right? What's the meaning of life? And so he explores some things trying to find meaning. Lots of different things. And, and he, he sort of says, okay, well, maybe pursuing wisdom. Maybe I find meaning by pursuing all kinds of knowledge, getting really smart. So he does that, and then he says, you know what? It's not there. It's not there. Wisdom, that's not the meaning of life. In fact, his response is it's meaningless. What about money? Let, let me make a bunch of money, and maybe, maybe I'll find some meaning in life if I have a lot of money. And you know what he says? He says, ah, it's meaningless. There's really nothing there. I don't find anything in all that money. And then somebody says, how about good, hard work? Maybe you'll find meaning in the work that you do. And so he pursues that, and he works really hard and, and tries to do his job, and this is his response. Chapter 2, verse 17. So I hated life. Told you, okay? Depressing. Okay. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless and a chasing after the wind. Maybe you'll want to sort of frame that and put it in your office somewhere to build you up. Okay? Some of us, that's the way we feel on a Tuesday afternoon when the previous weekend is a distant memory and the, the weekend coming up is so far in the future we can't see it. It feels like, man, I don't want to do this job. I don't feel like doing this job. It's just meaningless to me. Maybe you know what that's like. He goes on, verse 18. I hated all the things I toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. At some point, I'm not going to be doing this job. And then what? And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. There'll be a time when someone else is going to take over. You're going to move on to something different or you're going to retire. And all the stuff that you've put in place, someone else is going to come along and inherit that. And you know what? That person just might be an idiot. And you may say, what is she doing? What is he doing? Don't they know I set this up just the way it ought to be? And they're going to change everything. And you're going to say, what are they thinking? They're ruining everything I put in place. It's just not right. But that's what will happen. And the author of Ecclesiastes says, man, that's hard to take. Because everything I worked for changes. Skip down to verse 22. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? What do you get for all that work and all that worry you have. All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Maybe you have the kind of job that you take stuff home with you. It's not even work. I mean, you're not carrying a briefcase or a computer home. It's that you get home and that stuff's still spinning around in your head and there's stress there and you're wondering what it's going to be like tomorrow and maybe you've spent some nights when you didn't sleep very well because you were worried or upset about what happened at work. 
The author says that's miserable. If you're looking for meaning in life, he didn't find it in work. Now, Ecclesiastes goes on and explores other things, and in the end comes to a bit of a different answer. So you could read that for yourself, but, but I want us to skip over to a passage from the New, to, for, in the New Testament because it's not just Ecclesiastes that speaks to some of this struggle that we have with our work. And this passage in the New Testament, I think, reframes how we can think about work. And it's a great passage that I've taught on before. You've heard me talk about it, but I think speaks to lots of different areas of life, but certainly to work. And if you have a third grader at Vision Way, this was their memory verse this week. So some of you in the room ought to be pretty familiar with this. It's in Colossians chapter 3. Verses 15 through 17 are great, but I want to focus in on verse 17. It says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. Whether it's, I mean, it could be lots of different areas of life where we're talking about serving in church or we're talking about family, but it could definitely be work. Whatever you do. Whatever it is you're doing in your work. Maybe it's a job you love, awesome. Maybe it's a job you hate. Whatever you do, whether it's talking or working, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks. A couple things there at the end. And it just reminds me that in this series that we're trying to move from discontent to contentment, we're really talking about changes in attitude. This is not so much changing the way we do stuff, but the way we think about things and feel about things. So all the work is really in our heads, changing how we understand work. And the author is saying, listen, if you want to change the way you feel and think about work, this is how you do it. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus giving thanks to God. Two things there, and let's take the second first. We're in Thanksgiving week. And the writer says part of the way we change how we think about our work is to give thanks for it. And some of you are thinking, there is nothing I am thankful for about the job that I'm doing. And my response to that is, do you get paid? And if you do, I bet there's at least one thing you're thankful for, right? Payday. Okay? But maybe there's more. Maybe you really don't love what you have to do, but, but it's work that's very regular, and you know that there's going to be work for you to do when you show up on Monday, and there's going to be work Tuesday, and there's going to be 40 hours of work this week, and you're going to get paid for every one of those hours. Well, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. You don't have to wonder whether there's going to be work to do to get paid for. There's another thing you like. Or maybe there's things that you also like, like there's vacation time when you can spend time with your family and it provides for your family or it's in a good location. What are the things that, even though there's this stuff over here you really don't like about your work, what are the things that you are thankful for? Because that can change the way you feel and think about this job that's really not perfect for you. Okay, that's, that's one part of this. But before that, he says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, sometimes, a lot of times, that's not how we think about work, right? We've got this person or group of people that we're working for. And it feels like we're working 
for him or her or them. And so we're always trying to sort of figure out how to please that person, how to make this work. And, and I've worked for some people that were great, and I love to be around them, and I, I appreciated how they built into me and added to my skill set, and I've worked for some people who were really unpleasant, and that was both in churches and out of churches, okay? So maybe you have somebody that you work for that's really awesome, and you're thankful they're part of your life, and maybe you work for somebody who is just, at best, unpleasant. Here's the thing. If it's all about that person, we're never going to be able to move from being discontent to content. Because chances are that person is not going to change very much. And they may never be very much fun to be around. They may always be pretty unpleasant to face on a Monday morning. But if our work is done for Jesus, that changes things. And really, that's the core of what I want us to hear in this passage. The message that I want us to get at is to remember who you work for. Okay? Remember who you work for. It's not that person. It's not a board. It's not customers. It's not employees. Remember who you work for. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And as much as you may feel like you've got to please this person or group of people, ultimately, what all of us have to do Whatever you do in word or deed, ultimately it's about pleasing Jesus. We're working for him. And when we recognize that, it can begin to change how we think and feel about our work. You say, okay, well, that, that sounds good. It sounds right. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we ought to do something in the name of Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, well, does that really make sense? But the truth is, Jesus died on a cross for your sins. You think, well, that's different than work. Well, and Jesus' mission was to die for me and for you because we were in desperate need. And our response to him is, here's my whole life. Whatever I do, in word or deed, belongs to Jesus. Remember who you work for. Okay, well, what, does that, what does that look like? Sounds good, but practically, what in the world does it mean to go to work and, and Monday morning I'm working for Jesus? What, what does that look like? If work is done in the name of Jesus, how do we do that work? And there's three principles that I want to share with you quickly. And the first is this, do your work with excellence. Because here's the thing, if I'm, if I'm really working for Jesus, if my whole thing is, this is going to be done in the name of Jesus, how could I say, well, I think I'll give like 80%, because that ought to be good enough. I mean, that's pretty high, 80, right? Or half, or... If we're doing this for the one who was willing to come from heaven to be with us, to take on human flesh and to allow people to put him on a cross and kill him for me, for you, how could we possibly say 90% is good enough? I'll give, I'll give pretty good effort today. I'll try to get something accomplished. How could we do 
any of that in the name of Jesus and not give it everything we've got. Because he gave us everything he had. And so if we're doing it in the name of Jesus, we do it with excellence. Second thing, demonstrate integrity. There's no way that we can do our work, there's no way we can do anything without integrity if we're doing it in the name of Jesus, the one who offers us forgiveness of our sins. Jesus did everything with integrity, and so we should be the kind of people that others can depend on to speak truth and to be fair, to shoot straight, so people can know, hey, this is a person that I can go to, and man, if I have something to tell them, it's going to stay between me and them, me and him, her, they're going to give me a, a right answer, they're going to treat our customers fairly, they're going to deal with people in the right way, and maybe they don't even know that you're a follower of Jesus, but when they hear that you are, they'll say, wow, that makes sense. That makes sense. I didn't know that, but it makes sense because this is the kind of character that this person has demonstrated. Integrity is there, and it makes sense. Our actions fit with who we say we are. And then third, show kindness. Show kindness. The kindness that Jesus shows to us. I mean, kindness shows up throughout the New Testament. It's in the fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus explains, or Paul or anyone explains, what is Christian character like? Kindness shows up over and over again. That we would treat people with kindness. And you say, well, in my workplace, man, there's times when I've got to be i got to be really candid with people. i got to tell them what I think, and, and I can't hold back. Well, nobody said you got to hold back. But can you say what you have to say with kindness, in the spirit of kindness? Well, that's what Paul's talking about, and that's what Jesus was about. Jesus was unafraid to deliver truths that were hard to hear, but with kindness. So if we're doing this in the name of Jesus, if we're reminding ourselves over and over, this is who I'm working for, there's a clear choice to make. You know, maybe, again, it's that you've got a job that you really love. And maybe it's easy for you to do it in the name of Jesus because of the people you work with and the work you're doing, and that's awesome. Maybe you're in that situation where you're thinking, and I am not doing this job for the rest of my life. In fact, if someone in the room is hiring, I'm ready to go to work, okay? Maybe that's you today. Here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. Until that next job comes and you think that's going to be better, maybe it will, I hope it is. But until it comes, remember who you're working for today. Because it just may be that these are the moments where your character is really going to show. To do a job that you don't enjoy doing, maybe for people that you don't enjoy being around. If you can remember that you're not working for them, you're working for Jesus. And then you show integrity, and you show kindness, and you work with excellence, even under those circumstances... That will say more about who Jesus is making you into than when the work is just what you want to do and the place you want to do with the people you want to be around. So even if this is not a forever job for you, 
This is not your life's calling. Do this job in such a way that it shows that you're working for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for work, thankful that we can do work that provides for ourselves and for our families, allows us to give to people in need, and allows us to support the work that, that our church is doing. We're thankful for all that. God, we, we know that there are people in the room that are really thankful that they can do the work that's, that's going to be there tomorrow. And we know there are people in the room who dread it. God, help us all to remember that this is about Jesus, as every part of life is. And help us to serve you in whatever we're doing. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Jesus really offers us this great gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And it's all through the, the death and the resurrection that have been part of our service all morning. And if you're ready to respond to that and put your faith in him and repent of your sins, it's something that we've all got to do because we're all sinners. And then be immersed into him for the forgiveness of sins. We'd love to talk with you about where you are in that and what's next. Either in the song we're going to sing in a minute or maybe after the service. Or maybe you've done all that and you want to be a member of this church. If you've made either one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing this song. Let's stand again.